Welcome to the podcast edition of Dream Talk Radio. I'm your host, Anne Hill, and every week I explore topics related to dreams, sleep, health, culture, and consciousness. Dream Talk Radio airs every Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific Time on KOWS 107.3 FM in Occidental, California. And you can catch the live stream at www.kows.fm. To find out more about Dream Talk Radio, visit my website at anhill.org. That's A-N-N-E-H-I-L-L dot org. Meanwhile, I hope you enjoy this edition of Dream Talk Radio. Becoming an active dreamer is, is sort of paradoxical because most of us are content where we are in terms of our understanding of dreams. We're content where we are because things seem to be in relative balance. And one thing we know about dreams is that dreams are interested in helping us create and maintain a balance between our physical health and our emotional health and our spiritual health. Um, Dreams are working in the background the most successfully when we have a balance of that, when we are getting restorative sleep, when we are moving enough and getting enough exercise so that our body is relatively fit, uh, when we have enough of a connection uh, to others, you know, friendships and to spirit, some sense of spirituality or faith in, in our lives. When we have that mixture of things in, in a relative balance, it's not, it's not an exact point that we're looking at. It's a zone. We sort of, you know, sometimes we're a little more centered and a little less, but basically there's a zone of health and stability that, that works for us and that keeps us functioning and keeps us going in our lives and able to meet the demands of work and all sorts of other things. So dreams are very much a part of our psyche's process and our body's physical process of keeping everything in balance, keeping us at the height of our health and well-being. So when something happens to tip the scales, that is typically when we start having dream disturbances. Things pop up in our dreams that are troubling to us or are just simply different and maybe bizarre, uh, but that catch our attention and that drive our normal curiosity about dreams or sort of vague curiosity about what they might mean into a more focused inquiry into what exactly is happening. So as I said, Everyone dreams, and dreams tend to stay typically as a background process for most people. Um, sometimes people might have nightmares or recurring dreams that, that they keep thinking about during the day, and most people pick up a few tools over time um, in, for understanding dreams. For instance, uh, most people understand that if you have a dream where you're back in high school and you uh, find out that there's a final for uh, for a class that you've been taking and you've never been to the class and you don't know anything on the final, that sort of dream, most people understand that 
it's an anxiety dream and it's there's probably something that has has happened in their lives that has created the anxiety which then causes this dream to reflect back to them and make them realize oh right i'm i'm this is an anxious situation so most people have a general understanding of that um most people understand that when you see something troubling like images on the news or movies that are emotionally disturbing or suspenseful, that your dreams tend to reflect that because your dreams are in part a process by which all of the events of the day are somehow made sense of and integrated into your general psychological makeup and, and well-being. So, Becoming an active dreamer involves stepping out of the general background sense of dreams going on uh, in one's life into a more active inquiry about what those dreams might be trying to say. And uh, so there's a lot of reasons why people don't want to become active dreamers. The first off is a fear of change. If things are going well enough in your life and you've got the balance of, of things happening and, and you're relatively content with your work and your your personal life, why, why change anything? Why mess with success? Um, there's also the fear that some people have that doing anything to uh, dig further into your dream world will somehow rock the boat. Like your dreams have been okay and no problems and relatively few nightmares and not really debilitating. So why why even, why mess with success? So there's a fear of change that keeps people from actively pursuing dreams. Um, there's also a fear of self-revealment. I think a lot of people have the... Um, have the notion of the therapeutic process of dream work where you tell a dream to somebody like a psychotherapist and then they tell you what your dream means and it gets very uncomfortable because you have to be vulnerable and you might it it may backfire it may leave you feeling too exposed and you may end up showing things revealing things um, that you would rather keep hidden so even when people think about telling dreams to another person just outside of the clinical setting, there's a fear of self-revealment, completely understandable. There's also a way that we mistrust what we don't fully understand. And even though most people would acknowledge that dreams have something to tell us, there's a fear, there's a mistrust, I would say, of what that might be. What it, it maybe maybe it's not something we particularly want to hear, and so there's there's a hesitation, and rightly so, about digging further into dreams because maybe something will be revealed that will uh, let us know that we we actually need to make changes that we are not particularly enthusiastic about making. So a little bit of a mistrust uh, of what we don't know. And so here's the interesting thing. Dreams typically stay in the background and don't give us much problems if we have a balance going on in our lives, if we're getting enough sleep, if we are, are healthy enough physically, if we have our spiritual needs met, if we're in relatively good emotional health. And dreams are 
an extremely important part of how our body maintains this balance. So the irony is that uh, people tend to not want to investigate dreams because they don't want to upset the balance. And yet the very reason that people are drawn to investigate dreams is because that balance has been upset and our dreams start saying things in in strange ways and we start getting uh, really disturbing nightmares or just bizarre imagery in our dreams and we can't make sense of it. It just seems outside of the bounds of what a normal quote-unquote process should be telling us, should be doing, and how we should be feeling after a night's sleep. So generally, people become active dreamers. I mean, I don't know if I would, could put a particular ratio to it, but there's a, you know, a large percentage become more actively engaged in their dream life because something upsets the balance in their dreams and they have a dream that they can't forget something that's unforgettable or that is so far outside of the bounds of what they consider normal that it scares them or it excites them or it just tips their curiosity into a real serious inquiry if we're lucky that happens because we've had an incredible dream, a dream of such power and luminosity that our days are suffused with just a glowing, vibrant feeling for, for weeks after the dream. I see this again and again where there's just a, either there's a sense of great peace or a sense of visitation, maybe somebody who has passed on has come back to us in a dream and tells us something, and it's just an incredibly cathartic, emotionally um, supportive dream, and we just hold on to that dream for weeks and weeks and weeks. Or um, it could be an ecstatic experience about you, we could be in the presence of divinity or in the presence of such great beauty. Often it's beauty that shows up in dreams that just, you know, knocks our socks off. And we walk around for days just in a different perspective to all of our waking life around us, that there's something amazing and magical that's happening. We don't understand it particularly, but there's that felt sense of difference. And so that felt sense of difference inside is what turns us into active dreamers because we want more of that. Who wouldn't want more of that? That sense that everything is connected, that we're being supported and taken care of, that life is going as it should. That sense of reassurance is very deep and very profound and can help us cross that divide into becoming more active dreamers. The opposite can be true as well. We can have a dream that is so terrifying, whether it, it often involves death, uh, you know, grisly car crashes or some, uh, you know, great explosion and just feelings of loss and disconnection to such an extent that it is completely upsetting and we are not ourselves for um, for many days, if not weeks, and sometimes months afterwards. So often... A major dream happens that knocks us off balance. Now, the irony is that dreams themselves, because they are, are meant to keep us in balance, the only reason that they would knock us off balance is because 
they know, they're trying to tell us that the balance that we think is normal is not good enough, that there's something fundamentally askew or awry with how our life is going. And so there's something that needs our attention. So those dreams come to to just knock on our door or, or maybe just, uh, you know, lean on the bell for, for a half an hour, or maybe even bust down the door to say, wait a second, something needs to change right away because there's, there's a disturbance here. There's discord. There's, there's something that's not in the, um, in the best interests of your health and well-being. Sometimes this can be a dream about our physical health. If we have, a, an, a problem that's brewing or developing that needs, attention immediately, we will have a troubling dream about it. I've seen this often with people who um, have just the, the onset, just the first inkling of cancer somewhere in their bodies. They will have a dream. Sometimes it's literally a dream about finding cancer. Other times it's different. It's masked or somebody uh, who we know who has had cancer comes to us in a dream and says, you better get this checked out. It could be that. It could be uh, a financial issue, something going awry in terms of our our ability to to support ourselves and keep our family supported. That that really blasts out during uh, through the dream process. So all of these different reasons come to us in in our dreams, and they can kick us over the edge into. In inviting more information from the dream world. And that's really what I want to talk about here is how we then go about figuring out what it is that we need to set in balance so that our life can be, can continue really. So that, you know, ironically, so that dreams can go back into the background and we don't have to worry about them so much or so that we can absorb the lessons and change what we need to change and come to an even greater sense of fulfillness, fulfillingness and, and well-being in our lives. So this is the key uh, to being an active dreamer. And I've talked a lot about this in the past weeks. And I'm just going to go over a lot of the, the, diff- the basic points of this and talk a little bit about projective dream work as well. And we're back here at COWS talking about Dreams. I'm your host, Ann Hill, for Dream Talk Radio every Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. I've been talking about crossing that divide and becoming an active dreamer and why that happens, how that happens, and what we do with our dreams once we have sort of passed the tipping point and decided um, to investigate them more and to engage with dreams more. So... There's a lot of ways to be an active dreamer. Probably the most basic way to do it and the first thing to do when we reach that tipping point and we decide to investigate dreams more closely is simply to remember dreams, to take the time in the morning to reel back through the dream that we've just had on waking and talk it through, tell it to somebody, or better yet, write it down. And this is really key because if we are, we're trying to basically train ourselves to listen more closely to dreams. So what we need to do is we just need to keep reminding ourselves to listen. 
and developing methods that help us train that that instinct. The best one I have come across is actually writing down dreams. That is a way that it almost is like a trigger to our dreams that that they can start coming in a form that we remember better. If we have an intention to remember our dreams and we've got a journal of some sort by the bed and a pen and we got that extra five to five to ten minutes or maybe even three minutes really in the morning to uh, stay in bed until we can recall some of our dream and then write it down. That is an incredible benefit to being able to remember dreams. And really, you don't have to write down a whole essay on each dream. Sometimes we can only remember a fleeting glimpse of a dream. Like, uh, it had something to do with being next to a river and I had my old fishing pole. That's good enough. Write it down. Date it. Write down whatever you remember. And just keep that up. The next night, maybe you'll remember, ah, there was a this sort of blue, and maybe it was a building, or maybe it was the sky, I don't know. And there was, I kind of had the feeling of driving in a convertible down the street. Great. Write that down. And each time you do that, you're entraining your dreams to present themselves more fully. And you're also building that muscle that allows you to remember and listen more closely to dreams. So that is the first step to being an active dreamer. Particularly if we have been called to being an active dreamer by a really big dream, write that one down. Write it down in as much detail as you can remember. In fact, the best thing is to write it down in present tense. Even if it was a dream that you had a couple weeks ago, even if you're not sure that you remember all the details, just sit down and write it out. I am walking to work. When I get to the building, I open the door, and instead of the doorman greeting me, there is a marching band, or you know, whatever the dream is. Write it down. Even, write down what you can remember and write down the things that you're forgetting, that you think you're forgetting or that you, you can't remember something, but there was a, 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 there was another scene here, but I can't remember it. Just write that down. It doesn't matter that you don't get all the details right. And it doesn't even matter if your recollection of the dream has changed between the time you dreamt it and the time you're writing it down. The most important thing is to actually write it down. That is the signal to our dreaming selves that, okay, we are actually listening, we're paying attention, and we are trying to be more active in our in our pursuit of understanding of our dreams. So the second thing, of course, once we've started remembering dreams and we've got a couple that we are interested in learning more about, is finding a way to deal with them. And I think the most helpful theory of dreams for people that are just starting out uh, looking at their dreams more closely, it actually came, um, it's a fairly recent idea about dreams, and it was uh, the gestalt theory of dreams, basically, sometime in the 60s. People came to the conclusion that every part of the dream was a part of ourselves. 
So if I'm having a dream about being in an open field and there's a picnic area and there's a ton of people in one area and on the other side there's a bunch of construction and, you know, the, the meadow is getting ripped up and there's heavy machinery and I'm looking at these two disparate elements in a dream and one of them makes me feel happy and the other one makes me feel really agitated, the thing that I need to remember is, okay, this is my dream. All of these parts of this dream are somehow a part of my psyche. So that is, uh, I mean, that gives us a really wide range of things we can do. We can focus on, first it's, it's important to focus on what feels good and what feels right in the dream. That's a lot easier to identify with. If there's a picnic going on and it's a reunion of old friends or family or, you know, colleagues, what what the the key is here is identifying the emotional states and really and sinking into them somehow using them as almost a meditation for a deeper emotional understanding of of where we're at um i think of dreams almost in terms of yoga asanas i don't know if you uh, anybody out there does yoga but when you get into a position an asana you basically have to stay there even if it's even if you can hardly do it you just find a way to to put your body in almost the position that you're supposed to do and just breathe you don't want to force it you don't want to pull muscles you don't want to you know throw your back out or anything you just want to get as close to the position as possible and breathe and just try and relax and so i think of the emotional states in dreams as almost like emotional asanas that we have to get as close to imagining ourselves in in waking life as possible so if there's a reunion and i'm feeling really good but there's and and there's a couple people that i haven't seen for a while and anyway just get into that emotional state whatever emotions come up in the dream and don't try and force your mind into some into an intellectual understanding of it. Focus on the feeling um, and breathe. Just keep breathing and relaxing and just let the feeling kind of envelop you. And you, you don't, this is not really a goal-oriented process. It's more a process of, again, training ourselves to listen to dreams. Because if we can uh, enter the emotional state in a dream and remain there and breathe into it and relax, a couple things are going to happen. One is that we are going to notice that it becomes, if it's a, if it's a scary uh, emotion or a frightening emotion, it's actually going to become less frightening because we are realizing it's, it's not reality. It's simply an emotional state. It's not us. You know, here we are, we're still here, we're relaxing, we're just trying on this emotion as though we were trying on a new set of clothes, or an old set of clothes, or somebody else's set of clothes. It's it, it's an exercise in um, helping us separate, actually, from emotions. The, that's sort of a paradox, because we're trying to relax into an emotional state. And what happens when we just sit there and breathe and be ourselves and, and really let this emotion overtake us is that we realize that it is not us. So that actually can cause a, a deep feeling of, of relief uh, in a dream, in, in a, you know, an active dreaming process. 
The other thing that can happen is we can ask ourselves, when, when have I felt this feeling? When have I felt these emotions in my waking life? Even if it's something that happens to a completely different character in our dreams, uh, even if it's something that's, that's pretty reprehensible, if it's something uh, that, you know, when we are retelling the dream, we are in great, you know, deep judgment about this character in the dream and what he or she is doing. If we enter that emotional state and think, when have I felt that way? We can get some incredible understandings about what uh, what is being brought up for discussion by our dreams. What um, what that piece is that needs to be brought into balance. Maybe we're maybe some situation in our lives now is recalling an earlier point in our lives, and we're we're afraid of making the same mistake, but we don't really want to think about it because it was such an unpleasant experience. Or maybe the opposite is true. Maybe we are afraid to acknowledge that something really great is happening, but our dreams are coming to knock on our door saying, you know what, you need to pay attention. This is a really good thing and you need to embrace it because it's coming your way. So that process of sitting in the emotional states, choosing, identifying all the different emotional states in the dream and taking, you know, a few minutes and, and just letting that emotion envelop you and breathing into it and relaxing as much as possible is is a great way to you don't have to be t- telling your dream to anybody you don't certainly don't have to be going to a therapist and and analyzing the dream you're just looking for different clues about what it is that the dream is suggesting that you need to bring into greater balance now there's also a, a great way to work with dreams if you are telling them to other people. And that is uh, projective dream work. And it's a form of talking about dreams that is not the therapeutic model. It's a, a sort of a peer-based model that anybody can can try. And it's a great way to start talking about dreams. If you have a person in your life who you can tell dreams to, and you, you're looking for a language to, to base your discussions in this is what I would this is this is what to do this is what you need to start with of course there's a lot of different ways to talk about dreams and all of them can be helpful at one point or another but I think this is this is sort of like the ABCs to me the building blocks of what it takes to be able to talk about dreams with other people in the most constructive way projective dream work stems from the idea that everything we think or say or feel about another person's dream is a projection. That if if somebody is telling me their dream, say my daughter is telling me her dream, and I as as she's saying her dream, I am thinking I'm I'm creating my own version of the dream. I'm, I'm sort of developing my movie or cartoon version in my head of the dream. As she's telling it, I'm, I'm putting action to the story. And so this is my already my version of her dream. This is not, I'm not seeing, I'm not inside her mind seeing how she is perceiving the dream. I'm in my mind creating my own version of the dream. So anything uh, that I say about the dream back to her 
is a reflection not of her experience of the dream, but of my experience of her dream. So therefore, I am projecting my experience onto her dream. And the whole basis of projective dream work is understanding that very fact that what I'm speaking about is my version of your dream. And what, likewise, what you're talking about is your version of my dream. And so projective dream work is a way to acknowledge that only the dreamer knows for sure whether what I say has any validity or not, whether what my impressions of the dream are, are useful or not. So it's a way to leave the power and the, the choice in the hands of each individual dreamer. And I think that's really key when we're talking about dreams with others. There's a, you know, we're all used to listening to somebody and passing judgment and saying, well, this means that you need to do X. And that is really, it's not the most useful way to, to look at dreams. And I think, um, projective dream work has a lot to offer us in terms of the ability to uh, to be compassionate for other people's experience and also the ability to listen to feedback from others it's a great way to train ourselves as dreamers in being honest with ourselves because if we get to decide what is true about our dreams then then that's that's a huge gift and also a responsibility and the way to use that in the best manner is to is to be honest with ourselves and acknowledge when there's an insight that feels true to us and also be able to say no that doesn't feel true so it's a great way to build up our own um, self self-knowledge so projective dream work um, the basics are when a person is saying a dream and other and I am listening to the dream and I have a, an idea or an, I'm making an association, say that there's a, uh, the dream is about being at the beach and I'm, I'm sort of playing in the sand with my toes and it, the sand is nice and warm and the sun is out and then a big wave starts coming in and I'm afraid and I start to run but I can't quite make it to the, to the seawall in time and, I'm, and the dream stops there and I'm about to be overcome with a huge wave. Okay. A lot of people have dreams about huge waves at the beach. So somebody's just telling me this dream and I'm thinking, oh, that sun and the sand, it just feels so nice. And I go right into my associations with sand, which are, oh, the sands of time, you know, sands in an hourglass. Somehow this dream reminds me of the passage of time and how our moments on earth in our lives are so fleeting and and at now in this dream but because there's the sun I'm just really content with that I'm in a good place in my life so my association with this dream is it starts and I'm feeling like I'm really in a good place in my life okay so notice what if I'm saying this to to the dreamer notice how I just said that I'm putting myself in the place of the dreamer I'm not saying wow this sounds like you're in a you're feeling like you're in a really good place in your life because you know the sand on the beach that could be the sands of time and so you're you're thinking about um how time is passing but that's okay right now 
That's not the way I'm talking about this. In projective dream work, I'm imagining my own version of this dream. And I will say something to the effect of, okay, if this were my dream and I'm on the beach and the sand is feeling so good in my toes, I'm, I know exactly how that comes in. And the, the sand kind of gets in your toenails a little bit, but it's okay because it's just nice and warm and it's not too hot. I'm feeling very content with my life and the feeling of, of time passing and the waves crashing. It's, it's all good. I'm in a good place. And, you know, so I'm putting myself as first person in the dream. That's a key part of projective dream work. And that allows the dreamer to then listen to my projection on the dream and pay attention to their own ideas of whether that's a that's a an, an aha moment, whether that rings true for them. So that's a key part of projective dream work. And then of course I would go on to the 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 tidal wave coming in. Okay, so something has shifted my my sense of stasis or stability in my life. So anyway, we'd go on from there in terms of looking at the dream. So projective dream work, we're always working on our version of the dream. Only the dreamer knows for sure what his or her dream means. Um, we use language like, if this were my dream, or in my version of this dream, basic tenets of projective dream work. And it's a little bit awkward at first. It's a strange kind of a syntax to put oneself in somebody else's dream. But it can be incredibly helpful in those dreams that have emotional states attached to them, which are so far afield that the dreamer is just not able to really to, to, to integrate that at all, not able to sit with that emotion, not able to make sense of it in the context of his or her life. Um, that particularly happens with nightmares when there is something so heinous in our dream that we just, it is so completely other capital O, that we don't understand where it came from, why it showed up, what in the heck it's trying to tell us. We would really just prefer that it be because of some external influence coming in that we need to fight against. Oftentimes that's Oftentimes that's true. Dreams can be telling us that there is some, some danger that we need to fight against. So another concept in projective dream work is that all dreams hold multiple levels of meaning. So back to the dream about the sand and the beach, it could be the sands of time. It could be also um, a, a feeling of youth. I mean, maybe the dreamer lived at the beach at a certain point um, in life, say, you know, early 20s, went to was living down in LA and went to the beach a lot. So another level of meaning in that dream could be hearkening back to some event in the past that created that type of emotion. And a lot of times dreams will come knocking when we have, when we have set aside something that we love in favor of other concerns. And it is really time that we get back to that early love and start integrating it. Uh, maybe we were, maybe we had aspirations of being an artist or maybe we were working with film or, or music, or maybe we were just working in a place that we, we, had, we had a good team around us and things were good, or we were living with people that we really loved and had more friendship. So on one level of that dream, if that is hearkening back to my time in my early 20s when I lived with a bunch of friends and we had a great time living together, it could be 
the dream knocking on my door saying, listen, you know what, you're, you're lonely right now. You actually need to reconnect with those friends and reestablish those friendships and get that feeling back in your life again. So a lot of different levels of the dream. And another concept in projective dream work is that the dream doesn't just come to tell us what we already know. So, um, for instance, we could have a dream about, um, oh, let's just take a classic, uh, you know, a mother dream where if there's, if we've had a conflicted relationship with our mother, there we are back in the dream. Mom is trying to control us and we're really mad, but we can't do anything to change it. And the whole dream is frustrating. Okay. Classic dream. We can wake up from this dream and think, oh, that's something I already know. I have a conflicted relationship with my mother. She always tries to control me and I never feel like I can tell her to stop. She never listens or you know, whatever that story is. So here's the thing. Dreams don't just come to tell us what we already know. Because dreams have multiple layers of meaning, yes, it's true. That dream on one level can be telling me that here we go again, conflicted relationship with mom, but it's not saying that there's no possibility for change because the fact that the dream is coming again means that something is shifting in there. Maybe there's an opening, maybe there's a possibility for some new um, element to enter into our relationship. Maybe it's just that that constellation of communication or lack of communication is showing up in some other aspect of our lives and the dream is trying is trying to draw a parallel between the two to make us more aware of something that's happening so uh, do not despair there is no dream that only comes to sort of you know taunt us with the fact that we can't change things those are the basic principles behind projective dream work and when we're becoming active dreamers, it's really important to have some basic tools to to work with dreams, um, and that those I think are just tools that everybody should should have, along with our basic understanding that dreams come to in the service of our health and wholeness. They are always trying to help us reestablish a balance between our spiritual lives, our psychological or emotional lives, and our physical lives. They are always coming to help us keep a balance between our personal life and our life with others, whether it's work or family. Oftentimes, dreams come to give us great ideas, uh, creative ideas, writers and musicians and inventors, scientists, all sorts of people have dreams that have a layer of meaning which is a complete revelation of an idea or a concept that has never been thought of before. And so becoming active dreamers sometimes sets in motion this incredibly fertile period in life where we are tapped into new ideas, where we get that uh, that turn that twist of plot for our novel is right there right embedded in our dream or that character reference in that that whatever that characterization is that we've been looking for in our screenplay it's right there so there's a lot of reasons 
to explore dreams more actively. And um, I hope I've given you a little bit of an encapsulated version of of what those could be. Of course, there's there's in there's the amount of variety in dreams is breathtaking. I have been doing this work for over 15 years, and I'm more enthusiastic about it every time because every dream is new. Every dream has its own life almost. And when we look at them, they just, they start shimmering and shining and coming to life. And they're so happy that we are actually taking the time to investigate them more closely. So um, aside from those basic ways to uh, engage with dreams, of course, you can go on from projective dream work into all sorts of places artwork uh drawing sketches of different uh different parts of your dream or incorporating them into your art in any way really you can do that without having to do a lot of thinking or talking about a dream a lot of people are much more sensory based and so just working in a some some sort of tangible way with the dream imagery is incredibly insightful um you can go into dream theater where people, you know, can act out different parts of the dream and you can recreate the dream in waking life in ways that are really powerful. Uh, you can re-enter the dream in meditation, kind of like what we were talking about with the uh, emotional states in dreams. So, I mean, huge range of of possibilities, including actually asking for dreams. So that's something that I will talk about more next time is, is how, how to integrate, uh, how to have a more of a dialogue with our dreams, not just a we receive a dream and write it down and work with it, but how to, to actually have a, a feedback loop where we're, act, we're asking for and actively eliciting more information about the things that we're wondering about from our dreams. So I'll talk a little bit more about that next time. Thanks for listening. This has been... Dream Talk Radio. I'm Ann Hill. I will be back next Thursday. That ends this week's Dream Talk Radio Show podcast. Thanks for listening, and remember to tune in every Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. at www.kows.fm. This is Ann Hill, and I'll see you again next week.